love you, but you're freaking me out. There's a ton of the. New York's the greatest if you get someone to pay the rent. Wahoo! North America! Emerging as a transformative force in the vibrant tapestry of New York City's music scene in 2002, LCD Sound System, under the guidance of visionary James Murphy, swiftly carved out a niche for itself. The band's self-titled debut album in 2005 marked a watershed moment, receiving critical acclaim for its groundbreaking fusion of dance, punk, electronic and indie rock elements. This initial release set the stage for LCD Sound System's trajectory into the echelons of musical innovation. The subsequent offering, Sound of Silver, in 2007, further solidified their influence. This album served as a sonic canvas, seamlessly blending pulsating rhythms, electronic beats, and Murphy's distinctive vocals. LCD Sound System's ability to challenge the boundaries of conventional genres resonated with audiences and critics alike. Following a temporary hiatus in 2011, the band made a resounding comeback in 2016 with American Dream, showcasing not only their enduring influence, but also their continued relevance in the ever-evolving landscape of music. Their commitment to pushing creative boundaries and seamlessly integrating diverse musical elements positions them as pioneers in modern music. Hello and welcome to episode 14. My name is Holsch. My guest tonight making his debut, a great mate of mine from Sydney, Kiz. How you going, mate? Very well, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Very excited to Excellent introduction, mate. I couldn't understand half of the words, but it sounded fabulous. <laughs> Thanks. Now, Kieran is no stranger to talking through the microphone. It's fair to say you were a radio host on one of the, the biggest stations over there in Perth, thereabouts? <laughs> yeah, Perth or thereabouts, probably a thousand or so kilometres north <laughs> in a small right. mining town, <laughs> Port Adelaide, South Adelaide. So, yeah, and I did a little bit of community radio, which actually is one of the, one of the things I was going to talk about tonight with one of the songs. So, a little bit of a walked out memory lane back to when uh, DJ came in and was on the decks in, in Port Hedlund. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, I remember that was good times tuning in and listening to yourself. Now, LCD Sound System, I, I know it's a huge favourite for, for both you and I. And before we jump into why we love LCD so much, one of the, the real common themes I've found amongst my mates, and it, it might just be an Australian thing, it seemed like a lot of us didn't really exactly understand who LCD Sound System were for quite some time, and, and their name popped up on so many festival bills. Did you have that same confusion with them? 100%, mate. Uh, <laughs> LCD Sound System. I, I originally thought when I, I saw them on a, on the list, it was LSD Sound System. And I thought, oh, that's going to be some trance. I'm, trance. I'm not going to be into that. So might give that a miss. On numerous festival lineups, at least a couple of big days alone in those early days before you really actually introduced these guys to me. Yeah, I had that exact conversation with my with my wife. We never actually got to see her, which is a, which is a huge regret, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I always thought because I because they seem to be in a lot of festivals around that time. I always thought they were like a filler DJ that was sort of in between the the big headliners, etc. Like they'd come on and play a bit of a set just to keep people interested. And and sometimes they obviously played the late night sets. Even then, I was thinking, oh yeah, they're the band that comes on after the headliners. But to this day, it's similar to what you just said, I think it's probably my biggest musical regret not knowing that I could have been at some of those sets at those major festivals. What's funny about that is, and maybe slightly different for you, only a little bit older than me, but I was sort of just coming out of years of university and I was 18, 19. So I was literally coming from absolutely no background in real music. I sort of got to hear what my old man would play and bloody hit machines and hot hits, CDs from my sister, which, you know, had some classics on them, but nothing that I still listen to these days. I guess my point was, if I did see them then, I don't know if it would mean as much or the same things it does now to me. It would definitely be a different meaning, right? Like, I would have saw them before I had a lot of the memories that were associated when I first heard a lot of these songs, sort of later on after probably 2009, 10, 11 maybe. Yeah, because once we did grasp, you know, what they were on about, and especially after Sound of Silver was released in 2007. So, LCD, why do we love them, mate? Like, what is it? Work, I suppose, when we first started working together, for sure. There's a couple of late-night uh, expeditions there that I can recall that we definitely would have had some LCD sound system jamming over the top late at night in the office. Probably a bit of shared trauma there, mate, uh, which, we, <laughs> which connects us to a couple of these albums and songs. I don't know, man. Like, it's just right in the sweet spot for me. Sometimes slower, sometimes heavy, electronic, a lot of synth, but not crazy, over-the-top sort of stuff. That's right in my wheelhouse, mate. I think I mentioned Hot Chip earlier. There's sort of cut copy, Dark Punk, a few others. That sort of, I don't know if you'd even say they're sort of similar, but that's that's where I tend to gravitate to with, uh, with my music. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I'm not a big electronica guy myself but all those artists you just spoke of I, I i resonate with them really easily and i think it is with lcd sound system they do have other genres amongst the electronica like i mentioned in the intro you know it still has that indie rock feel even though it's using the electronica and, and the funk vibes and you know and then there's other songs like new york i love you where you know they break it down completely to an acoustic number it, he has a lot of themes amongst these songs that i think everyone can relate to as well he's, he's pretty open to how he, he's sort of trying to express things in his songs. so yeah for me lcd just brings back so many great memories because i like you said that sweet spot like i think that was when all of us and our group of friends were onto the festival scene trying to experience new music and when these guys stumbled along they were you know, I, I still think to this day they're, they're so unique in what they brought across and you put them on and, and you can say, like, they're a standalone listen. The other band that I find like that is Vampire Weekend, like, completely different sounds. When you hear Vampire Weekend, you know it's them. When you hear LCD, you know it's them. Just huge fan. I, I would say probably in my top three artists of all time. They've got that different build and electronic and synth and uh, obviously you said a lot of variety of different instruments that come into it as well, but with like a, a very wide range of themes that you can very easily connect to with a bit of nostalgia. What's interesting about some of these songs, I think, is 
I have these memories that are attached to them that I don't even know if have anything to do with them at the time, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, when I talk about one of my songs later on, it, it hits exactly what you're, you're saying there, how it takes you to a time in your life more so than even a specific moment. It's, it's just that whole time is attached to that that song or that band or that sound. Okay, well, let's roll into our, our tracks now. Have you gotten? I noticed you said you had eight, and then you had to to cull some. Regrettably, I know you had those eight still last night. So those three yeah. cuts only just happened. So have have you got any honourable mentions that you you want to give a shout out to? Mate, I've got a bunch. When we first started talking about this and doing an episode, I was sort of went through each album, and I was like. Oh man, this was so cool. And I was sort of <laughs> writing some notes down around why I like the different albums and, and whatever. It sort of turned into a bigger than Ben Hur, which is normally what I do with any sort of uh, take home assessment, mate. So just ask some of my lecturers in my MBA. Uh, cutting is my biggest problem. Don't worry, that's yeah, my job. Like I think, I think there's, a, there's one or two there that are really, really close. And honestly, it sort of depends what mood you're in on the day that you listen to those sort of six or seven songs and then sort of like, make a decision about what's your top five like i've got even my one and two later on which i don't even know i'd call them one or two they're just like the two i would say mm. so like all i want was probably the hardest one it was like the last one that got removed from my list i think for no other reason than the two that they were competing with probably just have a little bit more of a feeling connection to me so that's sort of why they landed in that list you mentioned one earlier in the intro maybe like new york i love you yeah like that was really close for me like it's a it's so different to the other ones in the list in terms of style New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down Like a death of the heart Jesus, where do I start? But you're still the one pool where I'd happily drown So they're sort of the the two that were really close. Oh Baby was on there as well. That's right. Like for a couple of years there, I didn't actually listen to new music and that sort of only just come back into my wheelhouse. What about yourself? As far as honourable mentions, this one, it was hard to put into a top five, but I I just want to give an honourable mention to their track called 4533. Now this, if I played a a taste test of this one, then we wouldn't have to do any more talking for the rest of the episode because it goes for longer than 45 minutes, 33. It goes, I think, 45 minutes, 58 seconds. But they named it 4533 after the two revolution speeds for vinyl records, 45 RPM and 33 RPM. And it was a a 2006 standalone release that Nike commissioned 
the LCD sound system to do. And it's funny because James Murphy always wanted to do one of these long track where he had the the license to make it ebb and flow, but there, ju- there just wasn't the money or the, the reason to do it. And then all of a sudden, Nike said, well, here's all this money. Can you do it? And, it, you know, it's a six-part composition that's meant to be for runners. And I think when Nike publicised it, they, they said something about it. it was to reward and push at good intervals of a run. But the funny thing is, later on, Murphy basically canned everything that they said and publicised at the time. These are just a couple of quotes from James Murphy. I actually really like the treatment they sent out because it was really specific. We want a 45-minute run. We want a seven-minute warm-up. We want a seven-minute cool-down. We need some peaks throughout. I was like... This is actually awesome to have this list of crap that you're supposed to do just to keep yourself going. Then he's gone, but as far as running to test it, I didn't even expect it to be for running. I wrote these liner notes, which I find really funny, but nobody seems to think they're a joke. I'm not built to run. I'm built for fighting, not running away. And anyway, it it got released and a whole heap of the running community started bagging it. And, and Murphy said, yeah, the exercise people hated it. He said, there's kind of a world out there that you forget about of dudes who run and want anonymous music to run to. And I guess it's not a bad thing that I don't do it that very well. So anyway, he got this chance to write this, this 46 minute long song. And to this day, if I go to the gym or go for a walk or a jog, I use it all the time and it is actually amazing for that. So yeah, I just I just wanted to give it a mention even though it definitely wouldn't be in my most played five. But I will lead off since you're the guest, so I will always start the count. And so we'll roll into my number five. Number five. Thankfully, well, I don't know about thankfully, but I, I pilfered it once it missed out on your five, and it's called All I Want, which is off the 2010 album This Is Happening. Now, this song, to me, and I reckon you'll say the same maybe later on, it sort of goes hand-in-hand with the song that comes on after it in the, in the album This Is Happening. I think they're both sort of middle of the album, and the first thing that I think a lot of audiophiles will realise when they, they hear the intro to All I Want, it has an uncanny resemblance to the song Heroes by David Bowie. The squalling guitars in the background, it's almost identical. The, the, the start and lead up to those, those guitars is slightly different, but the guitars themselves are almost identical. I listened to both this afternoon. I'm like, holy shit, this is, this is Heroes. When I first heard it, and I sort of heard that guitar kick in. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this? this, this is this a, a cover? Regardless of that similar guitar and piano part to it, 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 for nearly seven minutes, it has like the same sliding guitar and this pulse to it. And then James has got these like bloody wails that you sort of can hear on and off through it. It reminds me a little bit similar to their very acclaimed track, All My Friends, because All My Friends has that spine that doesn't change and then it's these subtle you know but powerful shifts through the song and that's that's how all i want works but for all the chat for its similarities with heroes it's one of the least heroic songs you'll ever hear i delved into the the lyrics today and uh, you know I, I think he talks about the moment he's realized that he's he's given so much time to his life with the band that he's he screwed up everything in his home life the first verse 
wait for the day you come home from the lonely park, look for the girl who has put up with all your shit. You've never needed anyone for so long. You learn in your bed you've been gone for too long to put in the time, but it's too late to make it strong. I don't know, it just feels like to me he's, he's, he's been on tour for years and years, hardly seen, his family's hardly seen him, he's come home and they've got so used to living without him that they practically don't really care that, he, that he's back anymore. Right at the end, it has like this final distortion to the, to the track. It's got a bit of a distortion right through it, but at the end, the sound sort of feels a bit almost sickly, the synths in it, and, and it just to me it feels like in the end it didn't work out. He's nailed that sound at the end to make it sound like, you know, everything's gone askew. I put all my eggs into the band basket and I've neglected the other side. But yeah, look, great song. I just think it's a, a brilliant track. What about oh, your five? What about it, your it's five? Great, mate. <laughs> the, all I, all, what about my five? All, all I want was actually the first song I wrote down in the, in the eight. And now you're talking about it. I was like, God, why did I cut that? <laughs> that happens every episode to me. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, uh, number five for me is "Someone Great" sounds of silver, two thousand seven. So I've never really paid attention to why I think I love this song. I actually was thinking about it today. I was like, do I actually love this song, <laughs> or or does it just sort of like stick with me? Like out of all of the albums, all of the songs. Mm. I always just keep coming back to it. And it's probably become pretty obvious to me when I started 
sort of doing my notes and, and research over the last couple of weeks, I suppose. One of the first comments on the, the YouTube film clip is this. It says, if you're reading this, wherever you are in the world, wherever you are in life, just know that everything is going to be okay. On reflection, it's pretty obvious, I suppose, why I do love this song. It definitely sort of connects to you. It's like a loss or like a grief. Uh, mm. It's sort of funny when I was when I was reading about it, I was noticing like these people were sort of not having a debate, but were sort of just discussing what that song means to them, and whether it was like a a breakup song or a grief or like a grief like a death song, right? So obviously you interpret it the way that you were feeling at the time or whatever situation you were, maybe when you first heard it or when you came back to it at the time. I think I've been with my wife for like 19 years, so I've never had a real breakup. For me, it's like everybody else you know a little bit of the the bitter taste of loss so that's probably where it sits for me sort of deal with your grief and loss as through the song but it's still the most emotionally devastating song you can dance to and i saw that someone else had written that as well and i was like True. what a great what a great sort of summary of it like mm. i'm sitting there boogieing away like you can get your little shoulder shrug going or, or whatever suit mm. you whatever sort of white man dance you got but <laughs> you can you can also just be like holy shit thinking about some some pretty obviously sad sort of stuff yeah that makes sense now i sort of reflect on the words and it I, I just remember the beginning of it like it's got that womp 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 it was one of the songs that latched me onto lcd like when when we first realized who they were and i just remember the start of this song is because it, it you know it has this it's, it's sort of pretty subtle as well from beginning to end i would say up upbeat music but not down and say it's like depressing music pretty intense sort of undertone to it in the in the lyrics it it's it's got something that just makes you want to move 
I think that's an incredible pick, mate. It was definitely in my shortlist as well. I played it so much. I, I think I've played it so much, that song, that that might have been why it just skipped out. But it's just incredible. It's an incredible piece of music and the lyrics, the, the whole package. So I think that's a that's a great five to, to kick off proceedings. Number four. My number four. Now, this, this is from their self-titled debut album. So LCD Sound System that was released way back in 2002. And I regard this as the ultimate Gen X anthem about fighting to stay relevant and culturally dominant over the millennials, those pesky millennials. So this song is called Losing My Edge. It's, it's got this prominent sort of pumping beat right from the beginning, right throughout. And it's basically just James Murphy ranting on about all the cool music he knows, the gigs he was present at, you know, his, his cool mixtapes. It, it's sort of, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, a bit goofy. He's almost taking a shot at himself. And why do I resonate so strongly with the song? And I'm almost certain you can back me up on this. On this one, it's the lyrics. And the reason you can back me up is because I can really connect with it is because I, I was that douchebag for quite some time. I used to think my taste was impeccable and I lived and breathed music. I had no dramas in telling other people that their taste sucked. I've definitely mellowed over the years and you know I've grown to appreciate Mr. Big and and Dr. Hook and, and everyone else and and I just love the fact that people love music. But back in the day I know I was like, nah, this is how it is. And that's what this this song is about. It's like talking about people that just think everything that's in their world of music is better than everyone else's. Losing my edge, you know, he's talking about I'm getting older and but hey, 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 I've you know, I've done all this, so I'm still cooler than the newbies coming through and I still think today triple j like i've lost my connection with triple j a little bit but i'm trying to get back in with the the new music and understand still what's out there because the lyrics are so huge to me on this song i've actually written a list of my top six lines out of the out of the song so number six i used to work in the record store i had everything before anyone I'm sure that's like anyone that worked in a record store back in the day, probably thinking that they're a little bit more in touch with music than everyone else in the real world. Number five, I was there in 1968. I was there at the first can show in Cologne. That line in particular, he pauses in it as if to give this effect in Cologne. You know, I was in this this really cool part of the world watching can who are, you know, very experimental at the time. So, you know, I'm really cool. Number four, he lists off 45 different artists that he owns in records. And then at the end of it, he, he goes, the Sonics, the Sonics, the Sonics. To me, it's like he's really trying to help his status by stressing that, you know, the Sonics, who are this bit more of an obscure band, but I had them as a record. Just the way he executes that, it's like saying, I'm fucking cool because I've got the Sonics. There's a number of obscure bands that he sort of listed through there. Number three, I hear that you and your band have sold your guitars and bought turntables. I hear that you and your band have sold your turntables and bought guitars. Once again, just hipsters changing, trying to change to be evolutionary. Uh, Number two, I was the first guy playing Daft Punk to the rock kids 
I played at the CBGBs. Everyone thought I was crazy. We all know I was there. I was there. I've never been wrong. Bit of an ego. And then number one, I hear everybody that you know is more relevant than everybody that I know. It just resounds for that period of my life where that sort of shit was the was going through my head. I still listen to it today and I, I chuckle when I, I listen to the song and it's, and it's such a, a great tune as well right through. It's it's pretty groovy. That's my number four. <laughs> Brother, you preach in the choir like, dude, you are such a big influence over my music at that point in time, but but he was before you and I was going through like my old man, Travelling Wilburys, I think I mentioned earlier, my sister with Hit Machine, I actually remember singing Backstreet Boys with my older brother in the bathroom into Rex Owner tunes. <laughs> but, like, as, as I got out of that and obviously got into uni, really, you sort of started finding your own stuff with your own friends. And that feels like it's yours then. It doesn't feel like it's sort of passed down to you like some of my earlier influences yeah. were. And I think once it feels like it's yours, you're like, how good is this? Like, this mm. is everything. How, how, can't, how doesn't everybody agree that this yeah. is the best stuff in the world? Yeah. And then you it, defend it with your life. <laughs> Yeah, I used to love DJing my friends' parties so I could yeah. show people my music. This is what I listen to. You should be listening to this. Well, I think that one of the big things that's changed <laughs> me is having kids because they don't like the same music as me, but I still love the fact they like music because I know when I grew up, I was into the top 40 pop stuff. And then same as you, like if you were listening to the top 
top hits and and those those compilations like as long as you have the love of music you can always change and and move in whatever direction you choose whereas back then i was just like adamant i'm like no guys this is this is music this is how it's meant to be but now it's more if you love music then you know i'm really happy about it and and i do listen now to other people's opinions and that attitude has meant i've found a lot more but it's funny because i talked to chippy today about this song and (laughs) i said to him how you know i used to just bag people's tastes all the time and he said yeah no i still look down on the plebs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and bad taste. <laughs> there you go. That's it, mate. Okay, your number four. I can change. I can change. This is happening yes. in 2010. Track five. So Pinky Flag earlier, the, the song before. Yeah, All I Want. Was, it's escaping me. Yeah, you flagged earlier, All I Want, which rolls into I Can Change. So this one's really obvious to me. I think I mentioned earlier that I've uh, been with the wife for 18 or 19 years, uh, since we were 16, actually. So it's funny, I was thinking about it. So this song's like a, a love letter I've written like a thousand times in my life <laughs> since I met Christina in 2003, whatever it was, that long ago. Yeah. But what's funny about this song, I was telling a group of people down here, some, some work colleagues we work for work, about how uh, long... Christina and I have been together just recently and we were uh, sort of all sharing our, our origin stories, I suppose, as a couple. And they were asking if I could remember the first time we met. And I was like, yeah, like as clear as that, I can remember that. And I was like, oh, but you sort of remember a lot of like hard times you've had over your, over your life, obviously. Mm. But this song, this song's like, it's just all good vibes, man. Like I've only got happy sort of feelings and, and memories associated with, with this one.
is seemingly about personal growth, right? Like yeah. self-reflection, growth, and love. But what the, the best, the part that really with me is the, the the never change verse or chorus. Is the it's the never change verse or chorus. So oh, yes. um, I think there's like three times in the song where it's like never change, never change, never change, and then it sort of goes into. I can change, I can change, I can change. Mm. And as much as I think the growth is necessary for a good relationship, I think, and the reason I was telling that story about these guys asking the origin story, I sort of got into this part where I was thinking, well, I think the most important part that's made us last this long is accepting, right? So accepting the person, who and what they are. So curious the journey and change and growing together or whatever, but sort of, like embrace the the constants, right? Mm. And I think there's a there's a lyric in this song, as the song goes, never change, never change, never change. This is why I fell in love. I think that's a really important part of the song. That part really sticks with me. That never change. No, oh, that's an awesome connection, and it's a cracking song. I I think from from what I can tell, because that is the song that that trails all I want. I think James Murphy actually put them together because they're both directed to his wife to say you know the first one is obviously as i mentioned earlier it's he was away and and now he's back and he's realized you know all i want is is my wife and my family and and to have this life back and then i can change is the one about saying you know give me a chance oh yeah you know i still love you trying to win his wife back number three my number three comes from Sound of Silver 2007 and this is the album opener and it's called Get Innocuous. This, from memory, the two times that I've seen them, I thought it was their best live track. It's a song that I think a lot of people sort of just lose track of because there's so many bangers on on Sound of Silver. Like, it's regarded one of the, you know, the best albums of the last 20 years I, I i put it on my headphones about a week ago and i'm like man i still love this song so much over the last week when i had that shortlist i just realized man I, I would play this more than than a lot of these other songs that's how much i i like it and i, I don't really call it a banger i call it a thumper it's just it sort of just keeps hitting you the whole time and it has a real feel to an, another band that I absolutely love, and I don't know if you've heard much of them, kids, but they, they're called Craftwork. Looking at it now, it's, it's no doubt that they were probably a heavy influence on LCD sound system with a lot of their sounds, like a lot of uh, electronic but sort of robotish sound, I guess, and execution. In this song in particular, both the music style and the way that they, he uses his vocals is, is very similar to Craftwork. In this song, the change-ups are really bloody powerful and some of the synth kick-ins, just they, they sort of just you know, kick you in the guts when it changes over, but you sort of, it just keeps amping you up. And This one is probably more about the music than, than the vocals, but the, there is those vocals there that it's sort of like a droning voice in part. But then they have this really cool section that's sung. It's a female voice, but once again, it has its sort of has a robot feel to it and, and she says you will normalize don't it make you feel alive many suggested this is talking about the rat race in new york city at the time and it's it's dirty little habit of turning you know interesting and vibrant people into these mindless prototypes that just in the pursuit of wealth status the the two and a half kids 
that also leans into that robotic sound. It's just saying we're just turning everyone into drones, essentially. And in the end, this song just has to be played loud to appreciate it. It's 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 one of those songs you have to play it loud, and then you'll understand just how awesome all these these blends of of changes and and it's I know it's just such a party song, and it gets me moving every time. So that's my number three. Get innocuous. It's just such a perfect album opener because you, you just you always want that album opener to just catch you and go, man, I can't wait to see what the rest of that album entails. And this song for me, like as soon as I hear it, I'm like, okay, awesome. This is going to lead into those other nine or ten tracks. I forget how many's on Sound of Silver, but I don't know. It, it, it's it opens the the storybook for for that particular album and and just gets you in the right mood right from the get go. Your number three, mate. Uh, my number three, and this could have quite easily been my number one, but uh, oh. she probably didn't quite make the make the cut purely because of, I suppose, some of the member berries attached to the other two. But <laughs> dance yourself clean. This is happening. Oh, yes. so, this is a banger. One. This is this is a banger. Dance yourself clean. You know that feeling, brother. After, <laughs> this is this is every sort of festival cathartic moment dance sort of at home in your kitchen song you could or memory you've ever had man like yeah. the drops in this song that drop that in drop. this song that for yeah. me 
there's like a couple of moments obviously sort of built up into the crescendo so sort of slow into that drop but then there's like just that little bit extra around the five minute mark sort of it's like a synth sort of soloy sort of thing not quite a solo but that sort of synth comes into it then uh, then again about six 6.30 or sort of seven minute market it sort of adds again i ended up just watching a couple of uh reaction videos on youtube like people <laughs> listening to this song for the first time oh wow and just waiting for the drop right like just just knowing that this mm. this at around this three minute mark they're just gonna be like taken to another dimension and um it's not like a crazy i mean obviously they throw it throws starts to build and throws in a few more instruments but it's just that sort of just comes in at oh. that three minute mark. It's giving me goosebumps just, just thinking world. about it. <laughs> yeah, man, and it was uh, uh, it was so funny. And one of the one of the videos I watched, it's like a little trick. This song is a trick. He's 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 luring you into a trap, and it's almost like the sound, the volume of the song, sort of they play around with it at the start. So you tricks you into fucking what's going on like let's crank this up i can't quite hear what he's making out or like i'm not quite catching the song and then just that comes in and blows your mind That still that happens one to me, guy. and I know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, there was one guy. He's literally on the YouTube videos. Like, I can't hear this thing. Turn it up. Turn it up. He's literally scrolling the volume button up on YouTube, and next minute it comes in and nearly, nearly uh, blows him away. And seriously, with this song, that's that's why. That's why it, it's the ultimate build-up. Like seriously, it is. You, I, I can think of hundreds of songs. This is. You'd have to say close to the perfect, most ultimate build-up, and then if you polled 
audio files all around Australia. For the 21st century, what's the greatest drop in a song? This would be top five for sure. I, I noticed a few people say, like, like on this today, like best best drop in a song, in any song ever, yeah. like sort of changed my mind. And mm. I was trying to think of some other ones. So there's, but for me, it, it would have to be like, it's the perfect dance song. Oh. It's the perfect dance song. Number two. My number two from, I think this is our first entry from American Dream. They're still their most recent album in 2017. This, now the last one I said was uh, their best live track in my eyes and with Get Innocuous. This time, this is what I regard their best headphone track and it's called How Do You Sleep? It goes for a measly nine minutes. But having said that, even though it goes for nine minutes, I'm glad it does because I think if it went any shorter, I'd actually be disappointed. I think the best way to describe this song is, is via a quote from James Murphy. And he said, I played it for my wife and by the back 20%, she was leaning back in her chair and she said, that might be too much. So I had to remix it and make some space. That song for a really long time was just a drum at the start, a little percussion and a voice. That's all it was. Then it just got bonkers. It was a beast to wrangle. Now, the, the word bonkers, I just I find it hard to describe a song that plods along like this to call it bonkers, but it actually works in this instance. It's, a, it's another Hulsh builder. I was trying to put it into words today as I was listening to it, and to me it's, it's almost like it gathers electricity of sorts as it, as it builds, which by the end of the track it's sort of bursting out of your skin. The title of the song, How Do You Sleep, and the content reference to this is, was a bitter feud between Murphy and his ex-DFA Records production partner, Tim Goldsworthy. So anyone that's got... Any LCD sound system, CDs or vinyl, etc. You'll know that all his stuff's on DFA Records, and he he's a part. He's one of the co-founders of that. Apparently, Tim moved on at some point down the track, and there's a line in it that says, "Whatever fits in your pockets, you'll get your due." And I think that's a direct response to him claiming that you know he didn't really get his fair shake at DFA Records. Tim sort of got away with a bit more than than he should have. Look, this song, is it's haunting. It's got another relentless beat. The bass is just bullshit. It's so... Like, I had my hair arm on the, the armrest of my car driving today with it on, and my armrest was just vibrating like a mofo. It was ridiculous. Murphy's got this agonised wail through it. It's just... I don't know. It, it, the synth in it is, is insane. It's, it's sort of... I don't know, like a rich, I don't know, like velvety sound almost the way it comes through. Anyone out there that wants to give it a go, make sure you put it on your headphones, like a really good pair of headphones or even, like I said, if your car's got a good stereo, put it in because you need that sort of enclosed environment to listen to it. I, I play it so much, so much, even though it's nine minutes long and that's, you know, that's a bit of a testament when you play a song that long that much.
two for me is all my friends. So Sound yes. Silver. 2007. It's going to be difficult to talk about this one without talking about the next one uh, because there's just such a, I say, coagulation of, of memories and nights and mm. and sort of parties and things where one of these didn't go without the other. There's a couple of lines here which really sort of stick with me when I think of this song and I think of some of the nights I've had with myself and some other friends. And, and so it starts. You switch the engine on, set the controls to the heart of the sun, one of the ways we show our age. Mm. I'm sure there's a a few different ways of uh, interpreting that, but for me it's just like, let's turn it on, boys. Turn it on, Hosh, me and Mm. your brother, house party. Crack up the Sailor Jerry and we we go wherever this bad boy takes us. And Mm. It could be 7 a.m. in the morning (laughs) and we're daylight and we're we're listening to LCD Sound System albums one after another. Over and over again. It seems to describe that those nights that you just never want to end. You just you refuse to go to bed because it's just too good. It's you know life's good. Yeah. So yeah, all my friends and like it's it's a party song, right? Like, but it's a it's a different type of party song. Mm. So it's it's the amp up, I think, when when dance yourself clean is the is the hammer. But there's some parts of this that edge into that sort of same similar sort of space. Well, the funny thing is, because we're rolling into my number one after your number two, and, and my number one... Number one. ...is All My Friends from <laughs> Sound of Silver. Talking about the same song, and, you know, I said with Get Innocuous, best live track. I said, How Do You Sleep, best headphone track. Now, this song, for me, has a really special place in my heart as my best vinyl track ever, and it's, it goes back some time. So, back when I lived in Brisbane, this is... Oh no, 15 years ago. I owned this ridiculous Grundig sound setup. So Grundig was like a German brand and I paid way too much money for this set of speakers and receiver and all the rest of it. And they're just these huge uh, speakers. They were so heavy. I had cables right through the place. It would have been like three months worth of my salary at the time, but they they were just beautiful. And I was living in a bit of a bachelor pad and, and most nights we'd crack a beer and we'd, we'd put on some vinyl. This song, over time, like we were always saying, you know, which song sounds the best on the, these speakers and, and on the vinyl? And it was unanimous that All My Friends was just the one. It, anyone that listens to this song just fleetingly will never understand this song true because there's so many little details in this song, so many little subtle changes that create this this journey into sort of something really extraordinary and similar to my number five all i want the start it's got that ding ding the the little piano bit it doesn't change for i don't know i I don't even know how long the song i assume i think it goes for around seven minutes or so but that that doesn't change from start to finish but there's these they'd add on a little bit add on a bit and then just it'll just be one instrument will subtly slide in and before you know it it's it's got this this build and and these little minus and ads that that just create this incredible sonic landscape. I, I just remember when I had those speakers, how incredible it was. Now I've got a shitty Bose soundbar, and I've just I sad every time I think about it because we, we got rid of the speakers to a friend because we were worried when we had kids that one of them would fall over and kill our baby because that was how heavy they were. And I mean, back then there was no Bluetooth or anything, so that you know they were pretty dated. But man, they had the sweetest sound, and I still remember how wonderful 
all my friends sounded. Today I read a passage. Now this was this was written back in 2013 and, and about this song. It was on the site Stereo Gum, and I was reading it today, and I actually started crying. It's and uh, it's just it was so weird. But this sort of when I read it, it, it sort of, this to me puts the song in perspective in a pretty good way from from my way of thinking. So so then in celebration of paradoxes, all my friends is happy, and it's sad. It's naive, but also disillusioned. It can make you feel 20 again. It can make you feel 40 before your time. It makes you feel 20 and 40 at once. It spirals into drug-fueled escapism, and it spirals into nostalgia. It's mature. It's the sound of sobering up. It's the song you play as the party peaks. It's the song you put on headphones when you walk home in the early hours of the morning and some nights you triumphantly reminisce about all the experiences of your life. But maybe the edges are haunted and just as you step up to your front door and Murphy's last refrain echoes, if I could see all my friends tonight, you also know you're searching too, that you feel all the dejection and isolation that have been as much a part of these last 13 years as a new online version of Community or as much as anything else. It's a song about 1987 and 1997 and 2007 and probably 2017. Even weighed down by all of this, it still moves. And because we have no other option, because this is our new millennium life, we still move too. I just I read that and uh, you know I didn't bore, it wasn't bore my eyes there, but I had a, a couple of tears roll down the eyes and you know nostalgia does that and this song just evokes so much for me the parties the catch up with friends and and like you said so many of those catch ups were with you and even even nights where I'd, on a Friday night I'd come home and have a beer by myself and put on all my friends and you know driving my car the song is practically the closest single song to be in the soundtrack to my life this probably isn't just my favorite lcd sound system song this is probably my favorite song of all time that's how it starts we go back to
beauty. Great song. Thanks, mate. Uh, now, your number one. Uh, My number one. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, look, number one is Home. This is happening. This was, it's probably never in doubt. This, this is the song. Uh, this is the song. Whenever I hear it, that I've always wanted to put a playlist together of songs that just remind me immediately of a friend or colleague. And the second I hear the first two beats of this, it's just, I, I picture Kieran. So to me, this was always your song. It's unbelievable. It's, it, the song is home in so many ways, I should say. Like home as in like a physical home. It often takes me, makes me think nostalgically about home like where i grew up in townsville with my friends and family i think one of the other things this is uh, i mentioned earlier this song in my running list like this is the last song uh-huh. in my very carefully constructed running list that sort of peaks and flows and and whatnot i think that's sort of like tied to that feeling of like obviously a run going out having a run exerting yourself sort of like just that going home not just going home because i sort of moved around a bit but I did a lot of running when I was sort of um, when I was doing uh, fly and fly out. So every day I would go for my six k run. It was like the last song I would <laughs> listen to like after my day of work. So it wasn't. It was sort of like make me feel at home, I suppose, with, with friends and family. And, mm. um, so there's that sort of memory attached to it. So I had that sort of that feeling every single day by listening to that. Which then, because I listened to it every single day with running, it sort of then became like a like a running song, like it's my it's my wind down, sort of you've had a big day, kick the shoes off and, and relax and, and sort of wind down. Every everywhere I've been or whatever, like place I've lived, either like Perth, Sydney, whatever, this song always takes me to a special place and I don't think it could ever possibly get knocked off the off the mantle of yeah. number one just for those reasons alone. I don't know how anyone could not like it. That's how good this song is. It's incredible. Yeah. Actually wrote a little bit about like how it breaks down. There's a couple. There might be like sort of three, four parts off the top of my head, but it's it's broken up by that uh huh, that uh huh, yeah, oh, uh, that yeah. that sort of that I piece. Love that. And... There's a couple of parts of the song that I picked out after each of those, which I thought were which are really cool. So part two after the first uh huh. Which sort of really sort of pushes this song into into greatness, I think, and and into that nostalgia. Is you might forget forget the sound of a voice, still you should not forget. Yeah, don't forget the things that we laughed about. So I mean, uh, like, come on, if that's not a reflection on good times and memories, I don't I don't know what else is or, or what represents that better. In part three, after the second, uh huh is if you're afraid of what you need, look around you, you're surrounded, it won't get any better. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Like, what, what great lyrics. Oh, man. It's, yeah, it's inspiring. The lyrics on it is uplifting, inspiring. I seriously think it's incredible, number one. And, and the beautiful thing is I always play our number ones right through so everyone gets to hear all my friends, which they would have already heard, and now they get to hear Home in Full. Home 
And after rolling on the floor and 
There you go. Unbelievable track. Unreal number one, mate. That wraps up episode 14 for LCD Sound System. So happy that you got to finally make your debut, mate. I know you've been really busy with a lot of important family stuff, but I'm glad you got that one out of the way so we can start getting on a roll, eh? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. Look, uh, I've uh, listened to a few of the, the podcast ones. Like I said at the intro, maybe a bit touchy-feely, but turns out that's who I am. So I hope everybody sort of enjoys it and, and can think about some uh, some important things in their lives when they're listening to these songs. Yeah, that's unreal, mate. I think that's a really great way to, to try and extract your 5-2 because... You know, it's hard when you love a band so much that you need to find something that's a differentiator, and I think that's a great one. But to everyone out there, thank you again for listening. Lots more episodes coming up. Please make sure you subscribe to the channel. Also join our Facebook group, Holsh Fidelity, where we keep you updated on everything. But apart from that, I hope you enjoyed the playlist. Thank you.